how did you get into film? So when I was in high school, I used to do photography and I used to take pictures just around my neighborhood and my community. Um, I used to do wedding videography. And, um, and then after undergrad, I put together a portfolio of all the work I had kind of created throughout my entire life and uh, applied to film school. I did my MFA in film and dramatic writing at Syracuse University. And I made uh, three short films. Um, and Homegoing will be my very fourth film and my first film outside of film school. All right, so when you, where are you from? Uh, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. And how'd you get to Syracuse? Most people don't just go to like upstate New York to go to school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Syracuse has a really incredible film program. Um, it was, uh, I was able to, you know, have my education completely funded, which was an incredible opportunity. So, um, and it gave me time to really just focus on my craft and hone in on like the different skills I wanted to learn and like figure out my voice as an artist. Um, Syracuse is a really small city, so there's not a lot happening there. So it was a great place to really be a student and kind of grow. Okay. So not like a, not a party atmosphere. I mean, there's, there's definitely that, but. <laughs> <laughs> not to be confused. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's pretty much on every college campus, but. Pretty much, um, you know, Syracuse has a rep. Um, yeah. I won't dig into it though. <laughs> when you were a photographer, um, going from photography to film, did you find that it was more about you having control of what was happening? Uh, I think photography is a great way to kind of get started in film because you kind of learn some of the fun fundamentals like lighting techniques and you learn about aperture and, and um, focal length and you learn about lenses and exposure and um, it's just kind of a, a, you use a lot of the same components in, in photos as you do with filmmaking. Um, so it was kind of like a great um, foundation really for my 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 art as a, a filmmaker because you learn those basic skills that you pretty much need yeah so you make some films in the school you come out of school make this film um why was this message and this story important to you uh you know that's a great question i you know i really when writing homegoing um it was a reflection of my own experiences. I, I had worked at black funeral homes, you know, throughout my entire young adulthood. It was my very first job, um, you know, probably outside of, or during high school. Um, black funeral homes are very unique in the sense that their their businesses not beholden to white power structures. They're usually businesses passed down from generation to generation. They've been in their communities, they've been in their families for, for years. Um, and they're always, willing to get people jobs, um, which I appreciated. So, you know, it was one of my very first jobs and I really wanted to write about that experience because I was so moved by um, not only the community and the people who, you know, I saw come in the establishment, but I was moved by the family who actually owned the business. And I thought this was very something, this was something that was very unique and special that you, we really get to see, you know, in our communities. Um, so I really wanted to kind of explore, explore a story around the family who owned that, that, that business. Um, how old were you when you worked at a funeral home? I think my first funeral job, I was probably 16. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
me at 16, I would have probably been terrified being <laughs> home. <laughs> how, did, how did you, I don't want to say survive because that just sounded like the wrong word. How did yeah. you adjust to being in that environment? Because a lot of people, again, at that age, you can't really accept what death is. And mm -hmm. to have to see that on a daily basis in all age ranges, all you know, different sexes, things like that. How did you how did you adjust to that? You know, it, it was a little challenging at first. I mean, I remember the very first time uh, the funeral director asked me to come in and help him, you know, dress a body. And I was mortified. <laughs> I was probably shaking, my hands got all clammy and sweaty, and I was like, really? Um, but you know, I, I think you just kind of, once you get over that, that first hump, it's not as bad. And, and you see it every day, it, it becomes almost normalized. And, um, it, you know, it really helps you learn about life and look at life differently when you're, when you're in a funeral home because you're surrounded by so much that gives you more of an appreciation for like, you know, the life you live and the people around you and your community and your family. Um, make the most out of each day because you know this is inevitable it's the, it's the one thing that that's promised to all of us at some point right and it's kind of yeah okay. it kind of it, it made me uh it, it it didn't make me fearful of death i i you know it made, gave, gave me more of an understanding around death and grief and you know because it's it's interesting like you said it's an industry that is typically family owned and typically life passed down generation to generation um which is something that you you showed in your film um mm -hmm. but with the passing down of it it's like the generation accepting it wasn't necessarily wanting to take it on um did you when you were in that industry did you see that a lot like it's not really something that you're sure that you want to do but is something that the family has created so you don't want to let it go at the same time yeah it's funny i mean i i've i've spoken to a lot of family members who are who work in the industry and who, who work in their, their their family's funeral homes and it's like they all have this very similar unique story where they're almost always drawn back to that place it's like they're always at a point where they reject the business and they reject um you know following in their parents footsteps and taking over the funeral home but it's like life happens and they come back to it at some point it's like um and i think that's incredible because the fact that whatever happens in your life how whatever challenges you may face or may arise you always have this safety net that can catch you with the family business right. and not something that a lot of us as black people were afforded um so they're you know it's, it's pretty incredible you always see family members come back or certain family members you, you might not expect um find interest in the business but um, but that's how they're passed down from each generation and you actually touched on that as well with the movie um when you have your main character and his best friend having a conversation and he's saying to him how he doesn't really know if he wants to dress dead bodies with his life and his best friend is like at least your family left you something all my dad left me was death yeah um that line was just like a, 
wow moment because it's like one person sees the opportunity and the other person sees that opportunity as a weight or a burden yeah um why that line i mean at its core i really with this film i really wanted to touch on you know the ramifications of structural racism in black and brown communities and specifically um the racial wealth gap um you know you know, white families in America have inherited property and inherited businesses for so long. And, you know, black communities, you know, we we were always renters, you know. We, we didn't own land, we didn't own property. Um, you know, with Jim Crow, with, with slavery, um, you know, we, we didn't have generations upon generations of, of wealth that was passed on, even just the home, you know, a home that you pass down to your kids makes a significant difference um, in, in, in opportunities for, for your future. Um, so I really want to touch on that, you know, that it's not something that we have as black people, it's not really common, um, but it's really a gem that that the character has, that his, that his father is passing this business down to him, but he doesn't realize what he has until he has that conversation with his friend who, who, he, who he says his father only left him debt. And that's that's the truth in the experience of so many people, yeah. you know, in America. Yeah. And, um, so I really wanted to touch on that racial wealth gap because it, it's something that's um, it's going to take a long time for us to break out of. And and white people, white Americans, already have so much of an advantage when we talk about white privilege. Like that's at the the core of it. You know, you were given an advantage in in, in this in this race called life that we're always, you know, 10 steps behind because of that. Yeah. Now, when when they, when they're having that conversation and you, again, you ultimately, in this car ride, you see that that's where the conversation is going. That's, that's kind of what the, the underlining issue is. And now you're, you're exploring that aspect of this short film. Um, and then you start to piece together the relationship between the two friends as you go further along in there. Was, cause I don't like it the movie away. Um, okay. Is it, is there a relationship there or is it just like a understood kind of relationship? Is it just a friendship and it's just like a, know a deep caring kind of friendship or is there something that's actually there you know it that's a great question you pose and i, I want to leave that up uh for interpretation to the audience um what i will say is that it was really important for me to show the softness and the intimacy and the love between black men um something we really get to see in film and television um, i wanted to show that because we have that with our friendships with our um, romantic partners. Um, we rarely see us being soft and vulnerable with each other. Um, and, and I really wanted to portray that because we have that with our own, with our own friendships that, that we see, you know, in your own life or behind closed doors. But um, in media, we're never portrayed as, as being loving and open with each other. Like that. So I really wanted to show that closeness and that bond. So I, I think it's up for interpretation for whatever the audience needs to see. 
Okay, because the third time I watched it, I was like, I'm sensing something. And it was, because the first time it's just like, I missed so much, and that's what I think I told you this. I was eating while I was watching the movie, and because I wasn't paying attention, I'm like missing stuff. So when the movie ended, I was like, hold the hell on, rewind. <laughs> and then like I had to watch it again, and then I like caught a lot of what I missed. And then it's like something still didn't click, so I rewound it again, and then watched it the third time. I was like, this is deep. Like there's a lot involved, and it's 15 minutes, the short. That 15 minutes, there was a lot packed in there. And a lot of it was just underlining kind of things. And then you just really catch it all. Yeah, thank you. That, that's the effect that I wanted to leave with viewers. Yeah, so I had about I like that. It makes you think. You think about the world differently and yourself differently. Yeah. It's not white and black. Um, you got to really think about things and look at things a little bit deeper. Right. And then there's something huge that you did in this. Um, so Tupac's, I guess, first major movie was Juice. Right. Um, and he did that, and Khalil Kane was the other star of the movie. And so for him now, growing from where he grew in Juice to his career at this point, and then you take Tupac's nephew, Malik, and his first film, is now with Tupac's co-star from his first film. So it's like you have this connection around a person, a megastar, basically. Um, and it's all going in the same direction. And I know you said that they didn't know each other before then, but they connected during the project. Right. Was that intentional on your part? Um, to cast those two or is it something that literally just happened and it just after it happened you're like holy hell this is these two people yeah it was definitely intentional um, you know like you said the film stars Malik Shakur who was the nephew of the late Tupac Shakur and Khalil King and um, you know as you know Khalil and Tupac had that wonderful moment back in 92 when they started the film Jews uh, directed by Ernest Dickerson. So, yeah, it was very intentional because, you know, we wanted to further that conversation that Ernest Dickerson was having 30 years ago with Jews about Black men, about Black friendships, uh, about structural racism in Black communities. Um, we wanted to further that conversation from our point of view in 2020. From my point of view as a Black queer artist, this is kind of my re reimagining or revisioning of of that of a, of a continuation of that story yeah um, because i'm a huge fan of jews um and i think it, it's such an important film because it, it it highlights you know like i said it highlights that intimacy between black men and our, and our friendship it highlights you know the issues of gun violence but it homegoing gives you a deeper understanding of why things like gun violence take place in those communities a deep understanding of that structural racism that's in place um and you know, we really need to start having these discussions if we want to make changes in our community because um, I think 2020 has been such a, a, a monumental year where, where people are trying to, uh, if nothing else, at least hear us when we're talking about the fight against structural racism because it's operating on, honestly, every level of human life. 
Yeah. People don't understand it's in our housing, in our education, in our uh, criminal justice system. It's operating everywhere. Um, and my film just touches on a very small piece of that with the racial wealth gap, with the racialized policing. Um, but, you know, we really wanted to further that conversation that, that Dickerson had with you because it's a very important conversation we have. Yeah. Now, your, your film starts and ends with the same scene. Did you want it, was it done in the way of being a flashback of that moment and just kind of explaining why you're starting here and then going through it again? Because again, he's at a point where, okay, I don't want to get the movie away. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, that's the part where when it happened, I was like, wait a minute, and I had to go back and take it back in again. Let's get that question. Um, <laughs> so. We're all, we're all have you um, shown the film thus far? Yeah, so the, the film has so far screened at uh, Palm Springs International Film Festival, um, Outfest Fusion, and the Atlanta Film Festival. Um, we have a couple more things coming up in the future that we can't uh, discuss just yet, but we will be part of the Outfest Screenwriting Lab. Um, so I have adapted this short film into a feature-length uh, film, feature-length screenplay, and it's currently gonna be in a lab where they're gonna workshop the script. And we're gonna actually gonna do a live reading of a few scenes from the, from the film with, with real actors, hopefully with Khalil and hopefully with Malik. We can yeah. bring them together and we can share that with the world. Because the, Impressive. The, thank you. The next, the next step is to continue the, the film and to adapt it into a feature-length so. You know, we're looking for production companies and financiers and investors who can really help make this, this film a reality. Um, so that, that's what we'll be coming in the next year. <laughs> All right. And a lot of people don't realize how, how challenging that is. They think that you just make the film and you're done. It's, it's a lot of work after you're done to work the film. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of... Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of patience. Um, but you have to... Uh, you know, and being a first-time filmmaker, like this, this screenwriting lab is really important. Um, filmmaker labs and writing labs are important because, as a as a first-time feature filmmaker, it really uh, it helps people um, understand. Okay, this person is actually about their business, and it, it's almost like a stamp of approval or validation that you know my work is worth you know um, you know exploring it and being financed and funded because. Uh, you know, when you're working as a as an independent filmmaker, uh, we, I can't just walk into the studio and say, "Hey, I, I could use you know a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand to make my feature." You know, you, you kind of have to prove yourself. And labs like this are really important because you know they help you do that and they help mentor you um, through the process of doing that and finding the support you need to get the film made. Yeah, and you actually with this film, if I'm not mistaken, you've won some awards already with it, correct? Uh, not yet, but hopefully later. <laughs> so, it's coming. <laughs> um, you have <laughs> your, your goals with the film. Um, I know we spoke about you wanting to continue the conversation and getting into a feature with Phil. Um, you have other goals that are set with this, with Homegoing? Yeah, so, you know, 
Uh, so, our, like I said, our goal is to definitely uh, develop this into a feature-length film. Um, but thinking long-term, it would, it would be even awesome to develop in, this into a scripted series on television. Um, you know, I, I think about uh, people like Justin Simeon, who made his very first feature, Dear White People. And then it was adapted into a, an incredible um, episodic series on Netflix. Um, because there's so much that you can explore with the Black Funeral Home. There's so much you can explore about our communities and about our people and, and exploring death and grief from the, from the perspective of a young Black queer man. Um, it, it says so much and, you know, the feature is my very first, that's what we're working towards right now. That's what we're striving towards. But looking long term, it, it would be great to adapt this into a television show as well. Nice. Alright, so for you, um, what do you want out of your career, ultimately? Like, I mean, you like want to just make a bunch of films and a lot more projects. You have a lot to say um, and do that through your work. Like, what's what's the goal for you individually? You know, the goal for me is to continue telling stories. Uh, I started um, making films and I became a filmmaker because I wanted to tell stories and, um, you know, filmmaking is my advocacy. Filmmaking is my activism. Um, it's important for me to, to really speak up for my community and speak up for those who don't have a platform through my art. Um, but I also want to entertain and show the joy and show, show the happiness and the beauty within our communities, within our people as Black people of the diaspora. Um, I want to continue telling stories and, and shaping the culture and, 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 and you know, just making, um, making art that really resonates with people, that makes people feel and makes people laugh and cry and really reflect on our, our it's just the human experience that is universal to really all people but particularly showcasing the stories of Black folks and queer folks, of, 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 of people from, of women, and, and different, different Black people just throughout, throughout the world, you know? Um, I, I, think, I think art is something that can really unite us as people, as a community, and that's really what, what I strive to do with my work. Nice. And how can people connect with you to help build that community and get to, get to your work? Uh, you know, support black filmmakers, support, um, support people who are doing these things. Uh, you know, my, my film screened at, um, Atlanta and Palm Springs, and there'll be more coming up. And when we have the Outfest Screenwriting Lab, uh, you know, buy tickets and, and show up for, for different artists of color who are really, who are really working, you know, independently to, to tell stories. Um, you know, you can follow me on Instagram at Carlton Daniel Jr. Um, and, and stay in touch and follow what's what's happening with Homegoing. But but really, if you have friends or if you know people or, or, or if, if you're a fan of, of art, support your your black uh, and brown artists who are doing it by themselves, because it really takes a village. We can't do what we want without the support of, of you guys. Yeah, absolutely.